0: Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with Freelance Tech Solutions and I'm your host. Uh, Before we get into it, can everyone please who's present just type a quick greeting, hello, hey, however you like to say it, just to make sure everything's all working and we can see it. Uh, I'll give an introduction why everyone does that to myself or anyone who doesn't know me. I'm Harry, I'm on the gaming team here at Evolution Nordics. I'm both a podcast webinar host as I am right now also recruitment consultant, all things contract game development across gaming studios in the Nordics. Um, we do everything from like QA to even like contract CTOs so that pretty much can help with anything the gaming studio would need. Uh, so I'm delighted today to add value to the gaming community. Uh, and this has been a highly requested topic, a lot of good feedback from everyone. And I'm excited to start a relationship with some of you maybe uh, down the road, whether it be finding your next assignment or helping scale your team with some amazing freelancers. But at the bare minimum, I hope you enjoy the next hour. And with that said mikhail could you please introduce yourself
1: hello i'm uh, michael weider i'm the ceo of uh, Nordis games a uh, game company that has invested in and acquired now uh, seven different studios across uh, europe including Avalanche, uh, supermassive star stable nitro games mcgris Steam, flash world and kogama so um, I uh, started the project or the company some six years ago where I proposed to the management of uh, Egmont, our mother company, uh, that we start to invest in games. And they said uh, yes. And then we've been doing it uh, ever since now with a bigger team than uh, just me. So I think that's the short version.
0: Awesome, lovely. Uh, So before I start going into the question, just some format for everyone at home listening. So I have some pre-prepared questions of my own. Uh, some of them listed on the description already. Yesterday, I reached out to every attendee as well to see if I can get any uh, extra questions. With, I've got a couple as well prepared. But please, throughout the conversation, we'll be highlighting some questions from the chat, kind of ad hoc. Uh, so please, when you if you do have any questions, when they come to mind, just type them in and we'll do our best to get back, get through them. Uh, fantastic. So I will start with my first question, Mikel. Uh, what drives you? Like, why are you doing what you're currently doing? Why are you the CEO of Nordis Games? Like, why do you get up in the morning? Like, what drives you? Well, several things drive me. Uh, but,
1: I, yeah, I, I really love to be part of, like, building stuff and seeing stuff grow. And I think games is just the, the most exciting business to be in because it's, uh, it is really about growing wonderful, amazing, creative projects um uh, together with all the the creative people so uh, i think it's it's super exciting to see when there is a launch or updates and and uh, and stuff on on the various games in in our portfolio
0: i can imagine it's like quite satisfying as well because you get to see it from a very top-down view where you can see it on a studio level but you can also see it on an individual game level or even like the ceos how they grow as a person so i can imagine that's quite satisfying
1: it is, it is a very, uh, I'm very happy about my job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can imagine, I, I'm, I'm quite jealous but I won't say that too loud just in case people hear me in the office. So in terms yeah. of my next question, uh, what do you deem essential for a gaming studio to be like considered for investment? So getting straight into it.
1: Well, so it's a bit of a cliche you could say but like the team is just super super important for us. It's. Kind of like a good team will eventually be successful while a bad team will eventually will probably mess something up um, so uh, good people and also a good team culture uh, where people know kind of like what the company is about and uh, there is a, a certain vibe in the in the organization and stuff that is that is by far i think number one in especially in in uh, in our industry where we are so extremely independent uh, dependent on, uh, on the people doing Mm. uh, these games. So I think that that is number one. Then we also like to look at the vision, for example. Um, Some game studios maybe mostly just want to make a new game, and that's a perfectly fine way to run a company. Uh, For us, probably we're looking for something where there is a little more scale potential, so that they want to grow further uh and go from make, maybe making one game at a time to make two or three and maybe within this like, area or there's something they want to achieve or some place they want to go uh so um, for me that's uh, that's uh, that, that is also uh, very important
0: No, 100 uh i just want to dive a bit deeper like you mentioned good vibe obviously people have different ideas of a good vibe like is there anything in particular like what would you call like a good company culture, like good vibe? Uh, well, it's a good question. You see it, you typically see it like when
1: it's there, uh, like, it seems like people are motivated uh, around the same principles. So if I'm, if I'm talking to a developer or an artist, or even, uh, a, someone working in the reception or something like that, there is a little bit of feeling of, of what, what is this company? Uh, mm. you, you Kind of like almost feel it in the air uh, when it's there and of course you can also feel it sometimes when it's not there uh and things are falling apart and uh, and and suddenly people's this kind of like negative spiral so you can you, you, can, you can almost like sense um, it but it's very much like often we do when we do for example due diligence on, on studios we are considering investing in we talk to various people and 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 while maybe management picked out some people to probably represent i still think you get a very good idea for like when you're talking to someone for at least 15 minutes or something like that you you start to get the sense is there a good company culture in this company or not and do they are they on the same wavelength or are there Mm. uh, conflicts or uh, or power struggles or whatnot uh, lying i think can actually i I don't i think it, it can't hide it so well actually if it's not uh, if it's not going well
0: now hundred percent like when i'm talking to people in studios it's funny when you get the different pictures where you get one image then you speak it's different and i feel like diligence is uh that's important um coming from a gaming studios point of view now so for gaming studios looking to get funding and it wants to make it like a really attractable offer what can it do to make itself like an easy decision to invest.
1: in Yeah, make sure you're a great team. <laughs> Following okay. the previous comment, uh, but some other stuff is, uh, for example, avoid complexity. Uh, like mm. if you have a very like, complex company uh, doing things in many directions. You have a cap table like of owners with all sorts of complexities. Uh, maybe some dubious partner deals where someone has a potential to acquire you or say no to projects mm. down the line or something like that so so kind of like a, a clear a clear simple company structure and and also ideally a clear story and goal mm. like where you're like well this is what we want this is where we are today and here we're going um i think that is uh, that, that's important and also to show some uh, scale potential you can say that okay so you have a nice company today but but, but why do we think that this could become uh, a bigger company over time and this goes for both the startups but also the more mature companies with even hundreds of employees there's still a way to go and i would say that of course if you if you don't necessarily want to grow then why are you even talking with an uh, investor in in the first place so um and of course there can be other things that are nice that you already have some proven games you and show how you have learned from your past experiences, and maybe already making the, some money from what you do, or something. All these things will of course sweeten the deal.
0: 100%. But I feel like the first thing you said again comes back to team. So without the team, it doesn't matter about the rest. I'm assuming like it's kind of an integral part. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of, I guess, kind of linked to what you're saying, but any other red flags I guess would come up. So you mentioned company structure. Is there anything else that on paper looked good but then after meeting them some red flags came up uh, that would make you kind of in that due diligence or in that founder meeting you think no we're not going to proceed
1: yeah so so actually i think in general also be very transparent like Mm. don't don't try to hide stuff because it's a waste of time if we find out way down the line and then it becomes much more dramatic so instead of just saying it up front well maybe you don't have to say that the In the elevator pitch uh, (laughs) if you have 15 seconds but but if there are issues like listen all companies have some kind of issues or or things that they are struggling with or something like that so i think it's very important just to be transparent from the beginning uh because it's much more embarrassing to start and uncover these things during let's say detailed due diligence and then it's like well why did did you think we wouldn't see this and why didn't you just say it immediately because of course we can handle that there are issues or, or or problems. If it's the perfect perfect company, well, why why are they even selling it or mm. or or finding an investor? So we are okay with uh with some parts maybe not being uh, perfect. So just be transparent about it. Uh, so so and that goes to like you should definitely be ambitious in your kind of like sales pitch and, and conversation, uh, but don't lie or 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 hide uh, stuff like it, that's uh that, that's the only kind of hurt you uh down the line
0: yeah ambition okay transparency not having transparency not okay
1: no no that's a clear red flag if suddenly it turns out like that the uh, oh okay so what you said was actually very very mm-hmm. best, like this wasn't actually true then then of course you you first of all you can't you don't, talk again you, you know, no longer so nice looking, but you're also proved to be a little bit of a cheater. So that that's definitely a big red flag uh, uh, for us. So uh, so don't don't, uh, don't, don't worry do it. about being transparent.
0: Got it. Uh, how about on the other side? Like after listening to a pitch, what has made you feel quite confident, uh, kind of moving through to the next uh, process when you finish listening to like that initial pitch? Um, yeah, so
1: uh, tons of stuff. In general, it's great to meet people, like you can, if you get like a deck or, or something like that, or see from the outside, like in general, we, of, we always get very uh, energized from, from meeting people and hearing their vision and hearing the thoughts behind something And that can often hide, that you can't find in a, in a, in a PowerPoint or something like that, that has been mm. uh, sent to you. Uh, so I think a lot of stuff makes us excited, like further, let's say further opportunities uh, within, for uh, for the game studio, because I, on the surface, maybe it looks like, okay, this is a pretty nice game, and they want to do one more game, and okay, well, that's this, but if then it turns out, ah, okay, there is there is more to it, so, mm. uh, and we gel with these people, or they, they have the right, they have what it takes and stuff like that. Uh, so So in general, I think that we get. Typically, we typically we walk out of a, a pitch meeting more positive than than we were before because it <laughs> does help to get uh, get words on it and people uh, people on it. So and of course also aligning like what it is to have a, like are they ready to have an investor. Uh, the, the previous questions about red flags is of course. Sometimes we meet companies where the founders or management actually they don't really want. <laughs> like,
0: like, so I don't want to be here right them, now.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, because it's like well they feel pressed probably because of financial reasons and fair enough like uh, it, that's that's of course the first primary reason uh, we we are there. Um, but 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 if if they actually just like find it annoying to get people, uh, on board, uh, and just need the money. Well, that's a red flag for us. I would say because we want to be engaged and we, and, and we don't want to tell them how to make games and stuff like that, but we still want to challenge. And, uh, and, and help them go to the next level. So I, I uh, if they're not open to listen and discuss and learn and whatever uh, from us, even if we might also say stupid things, yes. uh, then uh, then, uh, then we're it's probably not right for us at least. Uh, then they should try and make it on their own, uh, and uh, and don't take in an investor or scale partner or sell their company for that uh, matter. So I think that's a red flag as, as well. Uh, and, and then you, so only making really nice games is not not really enough, like not for us at least. We want to work together with these uh, founders or management. Uh, that that's that's important with us, and that requires a bit of openness. So, and, and but while we still give a lot of independence, because we definitely we're not very act, like a publisher telling how a game should be or, or something like that. Uh, we're we're definitely hands off on the creative business, but mm. we're not hands off overall.
0: Yeah, I get it. So when it comes to the, you have something to say, sorry. Sorry. I, I was just thought you had something to say. I was just going to ask, like in terms of those pitch meetings, can they be done virtually or is it just not the same?
1: Yeah, no, video is, is you, you get a, you fire with video for sure, but uh, but we would never invest in a company we hadn't visited. We have never done that. Like we, we want to see like the office and people in person and stuff like that at some point. Uh, so, so there's definitely a lot, a lot, lot to be won by meeting uh, physically as well. Uh, but, but you can get very far with the video for sure, and uh, and mm-hmm. the first meetings, and you get a very good idea even on, on video. So, I, I've never met you in person, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and now we're doing this thing, nice, so yeah, nice, nice filler. Uh, so, um, so yes, um, no, virtual Probably. is fine, but physical beats it in the end.
0: One hundred percent. Uh, just seen in the chat, and I was thinking that myself. So, for you guys, just curious, like a fully remote gaming studio where they have like quarterly meetups, for example, is that a no-go in terms of getting investment, or? It,
1: well, if they're fully virtual, no. I wouldn't call that. No, I wouldn't say that's a no-go. It has like virtual, uh, virtual collaboration is is great in so many ways, uh, and. Uh, and i uh, and we could easily invest uh, in that, so even if it's harder to to go to an office and <laughs> you know, really insist on an office uh, but of course, the culture has to be ready for it because yeah. want are it's not every company and person that is made for uh, sitting and working from home. you have to have it kind of like in your personality that this, this actually fits, and this is a good way uh we uh, we run it on so uh. Whereas for other studios it's much better to meet person. And I, I myself have a bit of a preference, I must say. I, I really like to go to the office actually Yeah. And meet Alex. I think a lot of magic happens in the office. Uh, so I would say I would be very worried about someone never meeting each other. But I think I've met several studios that where where they handle a lot of it in a, like for example, they have like when we invested in raw fury for example they have these uh, fury Cons. i think they work really nice then people came from all over the world and worked together in workshops uh, for several days and got to know each other at an extra much closer level and just yeah uh, the they, then they go home again i think that's a that's a very nice uh, way of uh, operating but, uh, but you have to be prepared to sit at home most of the time if you want to do this one really I would not myself like mm-hmm.
0: no 100 percent In terms of, I guess, when you're like meeting the team, like in terms of who do you meet? Because you said you meet people from the reception to, you know, the CEO, right? But in terms of, for example, like a bigger studio, like you meet everyone, like in terms of like yourself, like how is there a limit?
1: Yeah, sure. We don't, we don't visit everyone. Many of our studios have like hundreds of employees, so it would be a little too much. Uh, but uh, and, and of course we we meet more people from from executive levels for sure and the CEO the most uh, so uh, so we don't like go 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 nuts in it but, uh, yeah. but we do in general I don't know maybe meet at least ten people or something like that not no, always actually. the team but 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 people from my team uh, uh, we meet at least ten people and it seems like ten people still still hard to keep a very big secret if you talk to 10 people <laughs> yeah uh, it'd be very e- good, e- good e- secret keeping, to e- 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 break down and start to cry <laughs> that has not happened but uh, but uh, but anyway we're also not interrogating like that but uh, yeah. but but it's hard for 10 people to kind of like cover up really bad company culture for example
0: Got it uh, you mentioned this before in terms of your relationship post investment you're not a publisher but you do have that relationship so I'm just curious like how would you describe that relationship?
1: Yeah, so I would say we are definitely an active owner. Uh, We do want to meet and inspire and talk, and we do want to challenge our studios to be the best versions of themselves. Uh, We also have supporting uh, services like the User Research Lab and the Market Lab. We are also challenging, for example, management. If they haven't been to a management, uh, training before, we think that's a very good idea. We're working with various uh, management coaches kind of like to, to, to go to the next level. Uh, and, and in general, we have a big network of people helping us, of, of industry experts, uh, and uh, and we, uh, we, we want to utilize uh, their knowledge and network and stuff like that. So if you just want a completely quiet owner, we are not the right one. However, we also, we do want to, It is important that our studios are independent and they're led by a ceo that is in charge of the studio it's not like just a sub department to a sub department even when we own the whole company Um, and uh, and also again on the creative side is we're not gonna like have uh, clever ideas about game design or levels or whatever like this is definitely something where where, uh, we're we're not Going to be active in so um, so it's much more the structural side you could say that we are active like do you have the right organization do you have the right uh, management tool uh, toolbox uh, and do you have the right uh, facilities or services to actually make better games so um yeah active but independent
0: active but independent no it's nice to hear that we have those i'd imagine you get those economies of scale right and you mentioned a couple things there like the marketing hub the user research lab and i believe the management coaching so that is because i've been asked that a couple times like what are the benefits apart from funding because i think that's a big part of like picking person you want to invest in you is like what comes you know with the money you know and that sounds really cool in terms of you guys because you mentioned 15 second elevator pitch you also mentioned powerpoint slides I imagine there's a contact us page on your website but in terms of like getting in contact with you like is there a, a single best way or does it matter
1: um well there's various ways so uh, of course um yeah going by the web page uh, but 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 going to conferences uh, being active where i or some of i have partners mm. and MA managers and stuff like that uh, so uh, being uh, part of that, uh, being attending these shows is definitely a very good idea, I would say, for companies. Um, and yeah, just approach directly is fine. Like maybe I will be short in my reply, but at least <laughs> someone in my team will look at it uh, um, and uh, and and give it some uh, consideration. Um, and then of course we also sometimes. Uh, We ourselves also reach out if we see something but of course there are more people reaching out to us than the other way but but we also like to reach out and and kind of like analyze the market to see what is out there Um, so that definitely also happens Uh, we're fairly often active at the kind of like meet to match um, uh, arrangements on the the conferences we also uh, sometimes we also do sponsor ourselves uh, kind of like uh, industry uh, meetups or parties or festivals or whatever like that so um so i, I hope we are reachable
0: <laughs> yeah you, you don't hide that's for sure uh percent. No. in terms of those conferences um is any quickly you could like riff off like any of the big ones just so uh, i guess i'm, I'm quite curious
1: yeah, so uh, I would say that GDC and Gamescom and uh, Nordic Game uh, in the past and uh, and yeah, I'm going to DICE. We can be at E3 sometimes. It's like we mm. the big ones. I would say we send Reboot. We we went to uh, this year as well uh, and some yeah smaller local uh, local ones as well. Uh, we would like to have someone. Often on the road, <laughs> uh, nice. but of course we're not we're not at every everyone. But of course, T T C and games come are really like the big ones where we have a full team and stuff like that.
0: So, got it. Nice. Uh, that's really cool to hear. So, in terms of the way I want to take this now, I have a few questions that people have messaged me yesterday. Uh, so one of them was on recession. So this is from Sorosh Pasa head of legal at Ringtail Interactive. They asked thoughts on a recession. Does it affect the game industry more or less than other industries? Any signs that show this already? Well, I definitely, th- it has an impact,
1: but it's less than many other industries. Uh, mm. It's, it, I, it has been said that games are recession-proof. I wouldn't rate to say that. Uh, we can also mm-hmm. see, of course, that this year the market is down compared to last year. Of course, last year was a, a big year due to COVID for games. So many people were sitting at home playing games. Uh, and, and comparing to 2019, there is still very nice growth uh, in, uh, in the gaming sector. Uh, so overall, I would say we are in a very good uh, situation uh, mm. for many reasons. Actually, because first of all, it's not many physical pro- like we have so many digital products. That means we're yeah. not kind of like uh, bound by kind of like uh, boats uh, arriving in the <laughs> harbor uh, for the right price at the right moment and stuff like that. Uh, We also don't have a very high cost of goods sold, which means that uh, we can sell a lot or less. It's not like we suddenly have a warehouse with uh, way too many products. There are of course still discs being sold out there, I I acknowledge that, but uh, most of the games nowadays are digital after all. Uh, Definitely in our portfolio, it's a vast majority that are sold digitally. Uh, also on the pricing, I think we're in a very good uh, place because we can uh, we can we can lower or higher our prices uh, a little as we see fit. So if people are poor and can't pay as much, well, we can maybe do more discounts and sales, or even lower the price. Uh, if um, if our cost goes up, we can in theory also increase the cost fairly easily. Uh, it's a little harder typically than than doing discounts. Um, so we have a very kind of like agile model, and if people just spend less well, then they still can spend less with us. So maybe buy a few DLCs, less in-game uh, purchases and stuff like that. So I think we're in a very good position compared to many uh, other industries. And maybe also like if you if you give up on a fancy travel uh, to Asia, uh, then maybe you still have money to... Uh, yeah. uh, to buy a game and uh, play a game, so I, I think we're in a good position. But of course, the recession uh, has had an impact, and costs are going up, uh, and uh, and maybe demand will go down a little bit. So so uh, we shouldn't be we, we shouldn't necessarily be too happy about the
0: situation. No, hundred percent. I mean, from the clients we talked to, like there's been some you know restructuring going on. I feel like it was because of kind of from the very good year of the last two years, maybe we went you know some have scaled a bit too fast. Obviously, we've seen a lot of layoffs across the industry. I've seen it in the game industry a little bit as well. But from what I hear from you, uh, it doesn't sound like it's like a critical issue. It's more like a kind of rebalancing. Well, we be
1: well critical, yes, it, is. it can definitely be critical because we are okay. seeing many games are still uh, kind of like uh, having to uh, look at their staff, for example, or something yeah. like that. It's definitely. I, I. wouldn't say we can just squeeze through this, and and mm. some studios um, will have to dress accordingly. Because if you're selling a little, if you're selling less and your costs are up, uh, and you're running without, let's say we are not profitable anymore or something like that, well, then you do have to take some fairly um, difficult decisions. Can have impact on on. Uh, whether being hired or not, so so it, it, it is serious, but I still think we're in a in a fairly healthy uh line of business compared to many other lines.
0: Hundred percent. I've seen some gaby studios. I remember seeing something on LinkedIn saying, "Oh, we're not doing any restructuring because we're well set up for it." Like, is there a way, do you think, to proactively put yourself in a position as a studio to kind of weather a storm like this? I guess. Better than the average studio, but some have been hit a lot harder than others, even though they're in the same space. Well, of course,
1: always be mindful of having the right uh, organization in place. Like uh, you talk about sometimes the burning platform, and that is when when you when you got to a platform that is burning, so you got too far. Uh, So let's say Mm. you hired way too many people way too fast, for example. Uh, Well, then of course you're not very equipped. for a situation where suddenly uh, the tide goes the other way. Uh, so I, I think it's about being, you could say, prudent and realistic uh, all the time and, and constantly evaluating if this is the right setup and, and maybe never really be fully content with, with the current situation. Always kind of like thinking, is there something? Is this like, are, are, are we having the right people for the right projects? uh so it's an it's an ongoing process and i guess if you have been good at that process then then recession will hit you less hard uh while if you got carried away during the heydays uh then yes maybe you're not very in a very good position onwards
0: i like what you said there when it comes to like always feeling like you need an extra person rather than the other way around where oh what should i do today kind of situation you always want the former where you want to see what else i could be doing and or maybe we need a bit more help but we'll try and make fire because yeah when things like this happen when it's no longer the heydays uh you can kind of adjust accordingly which is nice uh just a bit back on just nordisk games because i'm quite curious i'm seeing some questions from the chat uh so i guess when you evaluate companies like is there a minimum set of kind of size or a minimum set of opportunity like how do you you have like a filter
1: yeah, sure. So in our case, of course, we, we now we call our I often use now we have been using the word investor several times. We are, of course, a little more like a team in company instead of like an investment mm. company way. Uh, and we do look for uh, for our for our portfolio size uh, does matter um, because we are at a later stage. So we, we don't do early stage and we don't uh, like team the, company, the companies we are looking at these days. Uh, they need to have a fairly, fairly large uh, organization and pipeline of games. Ideally, games in the market and working on several games and stuff like that. So we're looking for, for definitely uh, companies that are more mature but still looking to scale. So I don't know, maybe going from fifty to a hundred people or from two hundred to four hundred people. And uh, this kind of like more in our line of business. Maybe going from making one game at a time to making. Uh, two or three or four games uh, at a time. Uh, so we're definitely a later stage scale partner rather than an early stage.
0: What's the main reason behind that? Well, it fits, uh, it,
1: well, it's different skills you have when you invest in, in, in early startups, mm. different skills and competences are required when you invest in early stage and later stage so for example a lot of what we are working on is about like organization growth and uh, and the organization structures and the quality measures and whatnot and stuff like that whereas maybe if it's an early stage uh, you want first you want some money then you want some more money then you want some more and then stuff and we typically don't sit there and say oh well then you should talk to these people in in Silicon Valley to get like additional funding, like if you were like an early tech uh, startup uh, VC or something like that. So we're much more about building long-term uh, growth, but but not going and and uh, and finding money all the time. For example, so so I think you just you, you can spend too wide. And we've often felt like doing something for startups. Uh, this this has been mm. many times and discussed many many times. Uh, but we keep falling back to that well it's too far away from what we do today and the needs of a early stage startup is very different than a need of let's say a hundred people studio Uh, it's very different questions they have and now we want to stick to where where we think we're doing the most value and also to have a little more homogenous portfolio so that there are more synergies and when the CEOs of the different companies meet they talk about the same stuff instead of talking about how to survive next month for example if you're starting yeah. into how to restructure should you do a publishing uh a division or or should you split up your your gaming companies in this and that and stuff like that and and so we want people to talk roughly the same language when we mm-hmm. ah,
0: you, did, you have you have mentioned that before
1: yeah and to get a, uh, a certain size of course so we would for us it works better to have uh, let's say eight bigger studios rather than uh, thirty uh, very small studios. That's it's just the composition of the portfolio makes more sense for us to get us to get enough size.
0: Got it. You mentioned the CEOs meet. Is that like every single CEO? Is that like a regular thing or?
1: Uh, yes, it is regular. It's just not that often uh, yet. We we want uh, over time for them to meet uh, more often, uh, but. Um, but as it stands right it's now, tricky. it's sometimes uh, a year they meet up.
0: Nice. That's just really cool that happens, though. Um, I have one question from Joanna Lankoski, who's the producer at Iceplake Studios. Uh, and there is like, what is one thing everyone should know before applying for funding?
1: Well, I would say one thing is that, are you ready to get an co-owner on board? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not ready for it, don't start to apply for funding. <laughs> um, because of course it will change the dynamics. Like if you're three founders and you used to discuss everything over a glass of wine, uh, Friday evening after after the, the week. Well, then getting uh, someone living in another country, maybe, and a company uh, in on board, it will change a little bit your, uh, the way you drive your uh, company so it will be a little more structured and a little more you could say uh, professional uh, and uh, but on the other hand um, yeah so so you should be be, be ready for that now you can still sit and drink wine on fridays and take a lot of decisions because there's a lot of decisions we don't interfere with uh, but let's say the moral strategic uh, structural changes uh, well you need to discuss them with your co-owner um, and you need to be ready for feedback, uh, both good and bad, and take it uh, and, and, and discuss yeah. it and be open to discuss your strategy with with, with new people. Uh, so I think that's definitely something to make Because we do sometimes meet companies that basically just want to do well, they just want to do a new game and otherwise just leave us alone. Uh, mm. And then it's like, well, then just do that game, but then don't, don't call us then. <laughs> so I think that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's and then of course, uh, otherwise you have to be prepared, kind of like, uh, with where you want to go and what you want to do and stuff like that. This is definitely a very good thing uh, to have. Yeah, ha- having that vision. How to, to, uh, to Having that to
0: vision, vision.
1: Yeah. I think vision th- for us, vision is important. Like it doesn't have necessarily to be a, a vision to kind of like uh, completely change the world in uh, yeah. in in every sense of the word. Like uh, it can also be smaller than that, but have some kind of direction on where where do you want to go and what do you want to do with your life and your company. You're gonna spend a lot of time in your company. What what wh- where do you want to go? Like that is a, that's a good thing to to have uh, thought out before uh, starting to talk with uh, someone like that.
0: So. How about, you mentioned this before, so I have a question from Nora Buakainin. Sorry if I butchered that, Nora. uh, Talent manager at Nitro Games. Uh, She asked me, how do you get people to want to develop themselves? So you mentioned you have that uh, kind of coaching and that thing for like CEOs to go like level up. Um, How do you kind of get people to want to do that? Because if you're having to ask them to do it in the first place, obviously they haven't kind of went out and done it.
1: Um, yeah, so uh, in general, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is on an on individual level or on kind of like the whole, more like company uh, themselves, but yes, we always strive for, for further development, That's I think that's very important, like we never stop growing, uh, and if a company thinks they, like if the people in the company think they are done and they are, yeah, maintenance. And they are then, then we probably have a problem, because I can, I, can, I have a lot to learn, uh, uh, so maybe it's more like the mindset that we all need to keep learning and keep challenging ourselves uh, to be the best versions of themselves. So from our point of view, we do it of course mostly via the boards. So it goes to kind of like the, the CEO and a couple of executives that are at the board meeting. So we would challenge them. Are they the best versions of the company and the people they want to be themselves? But then of course, from there on, I think that it's then it's very much up to those managers to then do it in their companies because we don't uh, we don't we, we don't go in on individual levels in the uh, studios that we have invested in uh, to 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 kind of like things in this. Maybe over time we could consider it, it if if it would make sense. But right now we're we we, we lean on kind of like the HR and CEO uh, of uh, of the studios to then take it. Uh, further on an individual level. But I, I think it's very important that there is a mindset in every company to, to want to be able to learn and grow, regardless of success. And sometimes success is almost preventive uh, of of learning because what, people start to get a little comfortable and yeah, everything's mm. going by, game itself, <laughs> itself, and... and I'm a genius. What we're doing and stuff like that. So sometimes actually the best studios uh, at, at reinventing themselves are the ones that doesn't do uh, so well. And, and they hopefully will also be the, they often will be the one that then survives in the long run, the best. So uh, so sometimes you almost need to create a little bit of the sense of urgency, you could say, to, to improve and learn uh, even in, in studios that are doing well
0: yeah it's like that saying where if it's comfortable then you're not going to produce very strong men but if it's a bad no. time then you're going to produce uh yeah. strong men. So you need a bit of challenge yes. uh, 100%. maybe um, maybe the
1: recession can maybe yeah. the recession or, or a crisis in general will will foster something good and that is that thinking a little extra about like okay how can we what, what, what can we do in this situation to, uh, a
0: bit more creative i feel a hundred percent i think I was going to say that uh, Corona. I feel like that we we saw clear before and after in terms of had a bit of a crisis moment, but then at least from where I'm sitting, there's been a lot of pluses that's come from Corona. A lot of different. Yeah, sure. A lot of a lot of
1: a few studios I've talked to, they were quite good at at like, for example, working from home and the computer Mm. passport stuff. But of course, many studios learned completely new ways of working, and it turned out, wow, it doesn't it doesn't mean the end of our studio. Just that we have to to sit at home and embrace some new tools and stuff like that so i think that's a good example actually how how many industries overnight basically become became much more digital and and open up a lot more of tools like uh, so many companies like they didn't use like slack or teams or anything mm-hmm. for communication so we've Finally, got a little bit out of the shadow of the the emails, for example, and and also the way of communicating uh, and the amount of information being shared and stuff like that. I think that a lot of great stuff came out of the COVID. So uh, now keep, keep keep learning and not just saying, oh well, now we learned how to use <laughs> digital tools and now we can take it easy again.
0: So, wait another eight years or what have you? No, 100%. We we started the podcast during that time uh, because recruitment yeah. was quite difficult at the time so we were thinking how can we add value and we were talking about that a lot and that was two years ago nearly now and we've seen 100 percent a lot of changes in the game industry like remote consultants is a massive thing that studios didn't really think now that they've understood that hybrid can work or even fully remote work uh, so it's really cool to see that in real time how completely kind of taken for granted ways of working have been just changed and then they're never going to go back in a sense like there's Always going to be that new way now, and it only would have happened if we had that kind of crisis moment. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, another chat question from Nitro Games is game leader Nitro Games Kenny Chan. uh Where do you start before trying to get funding? Who should you reach out to? So maybe we can touch on that second point. So let's say you know nothing about reaching out to certain kind of I guess you describe yourself as a gaming company more like. But let's say if you wanted to look to get funding. Where do you start? Yeah. Um well you have to get a little bit
1: um out of your comfort zone maybe and just start yeah. to get like go to conferences, go to events or dinners. It, of course, in the beginning you're not invited to so many dinners, but just, uh, <laughs> public they are still public, kinda like open things in your community, for example, or or in your neighboring countries uh, where you could go, it's very good to go get out there and, and, and meet people, uh, or send someone from your company that likes to go out and, and mingle and talk. Uh, don't be afraid of approaching people uh, on the internet, of course, like uh, find mm. the web pages and uh, and write, uh, write people. Uh, of course, some of us get spammed with stuff, so we don't answer everything, but anyway, don't don't hold back from uh, uh from from uh, reaching out uh, to uh, to to people, I would also say that for for game companies in the beginning we thought well with self-publishing digital distribution and everything why why do we even need publishers that was a little bit my thing when I started out like six years ago uh, it, why don't you just take an investor uh, and then you, uh, you 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 get all the power over your game I would say that a lot of smaller game studios it. A great idea to go to a publisher uh, because the publisher has so many tools and experiences uh, working with uh, with games. So, of course, while you lose some, maybe you lose the IP of the game, uh, at least for your first game. Uh, then maybe your next game you can keep some kind of rights, and your third game maybe you can do a little more uh, self publishing. Um, but I must say that over the years I've, I've, I've come to realize that for many studios, actually, a publisher is better than just a, a stuff. Uh, especially if you're a little bit new in the game and you need more direction on on how to make the game uh, and and how to make it uh, popular and who to talk to and your network is not so big. And and a publisher can handle a lot of these things. Uh, So it's it's fairly often nowadays that that, uh, if I I or some of my partners uh, need a a smaller company, then it's like, well, why why don't you learn a little more uh, from the publishers before you do it yourself? Uh, the good part about that is that they can typically keep their equity, so they keep ownership of the company. they uh, and then then they just have to look at it on a longer perspective where then maybe a couple of games down the line, they can they can uh, they can own uh, their games uh, outright themselves. So I think actually for those, uh, there and there are many good publishers nowadays also that leave you that gives you a lot of like build a lot of creative freedom and what like that. so so. So I, I would say I've become more positive towards the yeah. publishers, at least in the early stages. Then of course, if you're more senior and you think that you, you also have someone who actually likes to do marketing, uh, and and likes to network and likes to play the, the the whole publishing side, then yeah, why not do it yourself? And then great to talk to an investor, of course, because then you, you you together with someone else have more control and uh, and, uh, and and can keep the game of your dreams to yourself
0: (laughs) lovely yeah i like that because the early stage like when you have a publisher on your side and you have the incentives aligned uh, like you said you get that a lot of direction but at the end if you want it for yourself because i feel like some people give too much control away and then themselves are not aligned with their own company so in those cases when you're a bit more senior kind of go and get that more just funding with no strings attached i guess or little Mm -hmm. strings attached yeah. Um, uh, for, for you Mikael, in terms of Nordisk games, I've just got a couple of questions from the chat here, I'm going to quickly go. So, in terms of in, when you invest, do you always aim to be like the majority stakeholder, like 50% plus? Why? Uh,
1: well, historically we have only started with minorities in, every, in all the investments we've done. we uh, with done nine investments in total. Uh, nine companies and uh, so but a big big minority stake uh, we have gone for so like 30 40 percent so so we definitely mm. uh, we, we and we have gone from quite big stakes because we want to be active we want to spend time with these companies and uh, we want to spend our resources and services and whatnot on, on the companies uh, and we also typically want two people in the board which means we need a certain ownership to uh, to get say that minority has been our preferred model now we have now we have gone to majority in several of our students because Mm. yes we are quite interested in taking a majority stake Uh, however it has to be if the founders or management uh, are interested in selling a majority stake so we've never had like a a way to to force ourselves to majority uh, from my, uh, minority uh, mm. and, and it's so it's perfectly up to the founders if they want to uh, if they want to uh, take us on uh, for a bigger role and just so we kind of like like the dates and uh, uh, date before you marry uh, concept which distinguishes the minority to majority and we're not going to if a company wants to, Another owner, it's perfectly fine. Like we we have also st- we sold our stake in period uh, in, uh, We really liked the, the them, uh, but at some point it made more sense uh, with another owner. And so we, we we weren't ready. To, we, we didn't want to stand in the way. So we were perfectly open to like uh, to to then sell our stake. Uh, so mm-hmm. we would prefer we prefer to buy them to sell, to be honest. Uh, but we're not gonna force ourselves on. To, to the studios and insist that we can never get out of our claws uh, once you're, yeah. you're in the
0: hundred percent. So, in the sense of, I guess, this is a curious question, it is from Ikshu Dutta. Uh, so, does it matter what stage the game is in? So, kind of early stage, pre-production, kind of in the closing phase, does that influence your decision making? Um, yeah, for
1: us it matters a lot because we, we don't do early stage, like we don't do some some concept uh, yeah. uh, that, that, it, that comes out in 2-3 years. We, we, we simply can't do that, uh, so uh, for us, I, I would actually like say that it's almost a requirement that there, there is already a couple of games in the market uh, that has uh, revenues uh, and uh, doesn't have to be profits, but it doesn't hurt, uh, so, so for us it's too early. Uh, to go on a PowerPoint, or even uh, even something that is two years in, or something, but still still has uh, a year or two to to launch. That that is typically too early for us. One, we the investments we do are kind of like companies that have games in the market, and now they want to set them up, do bigger games, do more games parallel games in parallel, learn from the first game. That's that's what we're coming. But the others there. Actually, nowadays, there are tons of great uh, VCs out there uh, that are uh, the earliest days than us. Like, when I started out, I would say there were very few uh, VCs in the field, and now there's a lot, and, and many of them got a ton of funding. Uh, so I think actually these days are quite good for early
0: stage
1: companies uh, hmm. compared to how it was like uh, five or ten years ago.
0: When it comes to funding, like if i'm if i got a gaming studio and i'm like okay how much does 40 percent of my company worth unless they have some revenue like i'm guessing i'll just google it but like is there a formula that people should just say this is realistic like 10xx or whatever ah
1: it's a it's a bit of a complicated <laughs> yeah. uh, calculation i don't think you can just google like the uh, great game company uh 40 percent uh, <laughs> value but maybe open ai can answer it <laughs> um but but then well it's the so actually what we do how we set up valuations is that we do we do a business case for the uh, uh okay. the company that they're looking at and and then we look at okay so what do we think is realistic so typically we base it on what what the management presents to us in a business case and says well we think we can do this this year and this next year and then in two years we we come out with two new games and dot, 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 dot. and then we do kind of like our evaluation of their business case uh, sometimes we take it down sometimes we take it up uh, what we think is the the, um, the the company can do let let's say we we more often take it down than up i would say because i can imagine they are they, they, maybe they are incentivized to do a, a more of a positive... <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> case. Um, so that's how we come with our valuations. I think just taking a multiple, I think, is is it's very, very superficial uh, way to mm. do it. Uh, maybe you can do it for very, very, very big companies where you have, like, a, a big slate of, of games, like the, the listed companies, like the EA and yeah. Ubisoft, like that. And um, then of course you can see, well, how how have they done the previous years and what is the, what is the, what is the multiple on this, but, 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 but what year are you also doing the multiple because hey, if you launched a game this year, but last year you didn't well then maybe you're, uh, the crazy ERA, it looks different. So it, depending on what year I'm calculating, and even if you take an average of some years, I still think it's for us, it's a little too superficial way to do it because. Also, typically the studios we invest in or acquire, they have like a several year plan and we want to understand what is this plan then? Like, how, how big is this? Uh, how many games are you gonna come out with? And then we make our calculations based on that. Uh, so I would say for people make a realistic, it's okay that it's a little positive, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but make a kind of like a realistic business plan because it also forces you to uh, to think what do we want with this company and maybe don't even agree in the management maybe one wants to just make one game the same game all the time mm-hmm. uh, and maybe two others wants to do seven games at once which is uh, probably fairly unrealistic if they used to do one game at a time uh, so i think it's a very good way to kind of like align in the management uh, in the management group Well, how ambitious do we want to be because ambitious does just to be ambitious and high, crazy hiring and then just like doubling, 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 it might not necessarily be the right thing for most studios, uh, unless you have some special formula where you can just repeat. repeat, Magic repeat. Um, so uh, I think make a make a plan, uh, and then, then you will also know, are, are we actually in, in line with what kind of company we want to be? And to be honest, a lot of Companies, they, it's not like they want to be like a juggernaut of 500 uh, people and maybe they shouldn't be because that's not what what is in their DNA and maybe it will ruin their games and they'll just do more games but worse games. Uh, maybe 50 people is the right size for a studio and maybe two two projects at the same time is also the right instead of having like eight projects at the same time. So it's about finding kind of like what, what do we as managers want and think is realistic. And getting that into a plan and that's a very good exercise I, and actually is something that i could have mentioned in maybe some of the other answers uh, earlier today uh, that i think it forces you to think like where do i want to be in three or four or five years even what kind of company would i like to run in five years and and, uh, and then if we are aligned on it then maybe we will invest into that dream or that growth
0: that there is no, and I can imagine if you make that exercise that if you're a CEO and like you can get lost in the day to day and you need to kind of be doing some stuff proactively to be able to get to that stage so hundred yeah. percent need to be doing that exercise kind of regardless really otherwise you're gonna drift into things which is never nice right mm. so we have like five minutes now so I have a couple more questions and yeah. then we can cut. so in terms of I found this an interesting question from the chat. Uh, Kenneth has asked like holistically, is there any synergy between the studios you invest? So apart from the now once a year where the CEOs meet, is there any other ways where they share tech or like do they share talent even? Like, is there anything else that you guys share? Um, actually, we don't share
1: that much. Uh, it's information sharing, I think, is, is the most important right now. So we have some fora uh, where people like a marketing forum, for example, where marketing people, for our studios uh, meet up uh, either on video or physically. But typically on video, uh, because it's a little easier, of course, across the countries. Uh, and then share knowledges, uh, knowledge and uh, best practice and uh, get inspirational talks and stuff like that. This is definitely something I think there's a lot of value in. Uh, I would also like to say that our CEOs meet up more than once a year.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: That. so but uh, so I think uh, information sharing and peer-to-peer sharing is something we also want to do more of in the future. Uh, and then we have some services that are supporting. So you could say that they go across, and there are some synergies from having instead of having let's just say one user research lab per studio, then they share one user research lab. Now, however, we are fairly fairly conservative and 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 worried about having too many uh, kind of like synergies, especially on the cost side, I would say, because it is quite complicated to just like uh, share stuff across all these different studios. Our, our studios are also fairly different and do fairly different kind of games. Um, so, um, so so it's not some we, we, we don't actively try to pursue kind of like, oh, well, if you have a tech person here, then we can let go of someone <laughs> over here. Um, those type of synergies can be quite complicated, I think, in games to uh, to exert. It's not, and, and because it's quite different than a factory, uh, for example, where you say, oh, well, if we just double the factory, we can close the one in Poland. Uh, <laughs> that's not how development is is working. So I would say we're quite cautious about pushing for more like these hard, hard cost synergies across uh, our studios. But of course, over time as we evolve, we're still fairly young, I think, um, in, in our company life. Uh, I hope we find more places where we can work in teams like say, okay, here it makes sense to have a central unit, for example, doing this instead of the others. But again, very cautious because we, we do respect the independence of the different studios. Uh, and we don't want to kind of like force, uh, force synergies that might save a head here and there. Uh, however, it comes on behalf of maybe killing a little bit the independence or the color, uh, company culture. So uh, quite cautious uh, on on this.
0: Got it. Yeah, I mean, even within individual gaming studios, it's sometimes hard to share between like different business units. Like if you have one team making a game, one team making another game, we found it from a recruitment point of view where there's not much communication sometimes happening. Uh, so I can imagine company to company even harder, right? Yeah. Uh, this is a final question from the chat. Give me have a couple minutes left. So this is from uh Anderson. So what recent changes in game tech design culture or business practice are you personally most excited about? I don't know if you play games, Mikael, but is there anything you're excited about? Yeah, sure. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: excited about a lot of, a lot of stuff, and I do play games. And I've played games throughout my, my whole life. I also had a, uh, my own game studio back in the days uh, that was uh, immensely unsuccessful uh, but <laughs> also, uh, about game, uh, making games. Um, I, I think that, the, I, 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 of course, it's, there's a lot of talk about it right now, but I think the AI in games is, is super uh, exciting, like how we can use it as game developers uh, in, in our work. Uh, and uh, do massive worlds with with the with the help of the AI, for example. I think there's a lot of exciting stuff uh, in, in that uh, area. So uh, I think that's probably the one thing right now that the, that I'm most excited about. Uh, that we can do even more magic. And grander magic with the with the new tools uh, coming out. I I am uh, very excited to see how this is being used in studios around the, around the world. One hundred percent. I I would like to say that replaces the need for people because uh, we need. are we just gonna comment creative, on that. We need all those creative uh, uh, people, but it just gives new tools uh, to to do maybe some of the more tedious work. Faster and more powerful, you could say, and then use our energy to do even, even uh, grander, uh, uh, even grander stuff uh, instead of the, I, I don't know, polishing uh, 500 types of assets uh, or something like that. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I think that's going to be uh, very exciting.
0: Yeah, and I've seen a lot of drama.
1: Cost, I don't think it's going to cost a single job anywhere. Uh, it's just going to make uh, even better.
0: Yeah, it's funny seeing, well, I say it's funny, uh, it's interesting seeing uh, the reaction on LinkedIn and like ArtStation There's a bit of a kind of a riot going on saying no to AI art being posted on there. Uh, and I think like you said, it, I hope, I see the market using it more on the kind of concept, which is obviously might take one person's job, I guess the more tedious stuff, like you said, and then like if VFX got better, doesn't mean we have less VFX artists, they're just doing cooler stuff, right? Uh, that's where I see that going. But yeah, 100%. I'm very excited about that as well. Yeah,
1: it's uh, a good good example. I'm sure there's more VFX people in the world now than there were exactly, yeah, uh, 20 years ago. And it's a lot easier
0: why... to do one easier. Yeah. Mikael, I would like to give you the floor just as I guess like a little kind of red carpet. I guess you know if you want to say anything to anyone listening. Obviously, it's going to be a <laughs> podcast as well later. Uh, but if there's anything you want to ask from the listeners here all right i don't know exactly what i'm gonna do on the red floor
1: i'm gonna spin my i'm gonna spin my uh, my uh, chair right now to kind of like do a <laughs> duet finale and uh <laughs> since i have the the
0: red floor so <laughs> <Nice>. i <laughs> meant, I meant like a call to action Michael. like you know yeah. hey if you're a great studio and you want to reach out that kind of thing but i, I appreciate that too well. want to reach out then just reach out to us. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Nice one, Michael. Uh, lovely. Thank you everyone at home for listening. Um, this for everyone listening as a podcast. Thank you again uh, for listening. This has been Harry uh, from evolution. And obviously, Michael wider from notice games. Thank you very much. And yeah, I'll leave you to it. We Yeah. Uh, awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the great questions. <laughs> nice one. Later.